When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge, now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. are liking the new beats on the hang time podcast like somebody uh shouted us out on twitter the other day saying that they like the new uh the new uh tunes we got at the, at the top of the show sacred smith from the hang time blog not from nba.com we're, we're gonna keep shouting out the hang time blog and the all ball blog until we get over their demise um r.i.p my main man lang whitaker in new york oh, what's up doing his thing sleeping last night in philly when russell westbrook gets the double shotgun barrels from a fan. They got yeah, you the captured in the pick lane. Seriously, you're asleep, bro. The double Philly salute. Yes, you were knocked out. It looked like you were knocked out, sitting in the like three rows behind. I was actually explain yourself. My lap- I was looking at my laptop and I was trying to figure out because I, I knew I had to write something post games. I was actually starting on it then, and then I was sitting there in the third row next to Jared Greenberg, um, who's on his own journey for the Tim before tip show and Jared and I were sitting there and all of a sudden Jared goes, I think that guy's shooting the bird. And I said, what? And I looked up and, and, but apparently there was an image that went viral on Twitter featuring me looking down at my laptop and I started getting <laughs> tweets and texts and calls and everything. Yeah. Somebody sent it to me on a set and they were like, Hey, did you see this? Yeah. So I'm looking at the fan, you know, flipping uh Westbrook, the bird. I'm like, yes. I mean, I, uh, so what? And they're like, no, look, look in the background. So I looked him back. I was, what is he sleep? I was like, this dude, they busted this dude on camera snoozing. But no, it was I wish. good times, good times. We moved to Thursday here on the Hang Time Podcast. Just a little housekeeping. Um, this gives us an opportunity to catch Lang in the act of dozing off at basketball games on Wednesday night since there's so much Wednesday night action in the league. And uh, it'll also give us a chance to kind of talk about the Thursday night matchups, the, the marquee matchups on TNT and the other games in, in the weekend. So We're burying the lead, though. Yeah, well, you think everybody watched Tuesday night, the the real open of this NBA season. It's great to have NBA basketball back if you're anybody but the Warriors who got stroked. <laughs> I mean, they got they got smoked the other night. That um, was unbelievable. I, unbelievable. I kept trying to turn it to see Dame Lillard go off, yeah. um, you know, against the Jazz. Watch him and Joe Johnson stage their epic duel. Um, I, you, can't, you can't kill ISO Joe. He's still there. <laughs> but, I mean – I kept flicking back to the Warriors game thinking, all right, they'll get this thing trimmed to eight, and it'll be a game in the fourth quarter. They got destroyed. It was brutal. I mean, Kawhi Leonard Kawhi Leonard, and, and LaMarcus Aldridge did their thing, but I thought the real moment when I said this game is officially gone to the dark side, Jonathan Simmons got the ball at the top of the key 
and waved off everybody. He had Kevin Durant in front of him. And he's telling everybody, like, clear out. Like, I got KD on me, clear out. I'm going to get this bucket. And I was like, you know what? That's when the respect level for a yeah. team as formidable as the Warriors is officially at rock bottom. And this is on opening night. I still felt like throughout the second half, even – and the lead was around 10, 15, something like that. And I, I just kept waiting for Golden State to make one of those runs, and, and they didn't have it in them. And I'm, I'm stunned. I'm, I, as someone who did not have a vested interest either way in how that game came out, mm-hmm. it was about as interesting and entertaining as it could have been because it was, it was the team that nobody was going to be able to beat that was going to win 75 games just getting right. drilled. By the Spurs, I guess a team that a lot of people forgot. Basically. Without Danny Green, yeah. Without I mean, without, without Tim support. Duncan, yeah. yeah. Team that won sixty-seven games last year, and people seem to have forgotten about it. Um, they were incredible. Is it wrong for me, Lang? And I, you know, I'm always the the old crusty on on the Hangtime podcast here. Is it wrong for me to look too much into this one game and start poking holes in this Warriors machine? Um, the bench is clearly not what it was. Yeah. Uh, previously, Luke Walton's gone, gets his first win as Lakers head coach. If anybody would have told you in the summer that the Warriors would be behind the Lakers in the Pacific Division standings at any point in this season, you'd have slapped them. I told you clearly everything for the Warriors started going downhill when Steve Kerr came back from his <laughs> injuries last year. And I was joking when I said that. But... I know. But uh, but the the Lakers. I didn't see that game. I was driving back from Philly last mm-hmm. night late, so I didn't see that. But I was uh, in the press room with Michael Lee, and we were laughing about how the Rockets had seventy points and at right. halftime, and James Harden had fourteen assists at halftime. And then I got back in the car and drove back, and then I saw the Lakers won that game. So <laughs> I didn't see it. I don't know how that happened. Uh, but I watched that Warriors game, and yeah, the the bench is an issue. Um, I, I I think there's very few teams though that are set up the way the Spurs are set up they can do that to the Warriors they right. can exactly they have the rim like that yeah, yeah that, that have an Aldridge that have a Pau Gasol that have those kind of the Kawhi can go inside like that and, and attack you from the inside out right. so many teams now are trying to emulate the Warriors and they're outside in so I it, it was sort of a perfect storm but um but man it was pretty incredible to see yeah I was texting people the other night during the game as you well know, I wasn't butt dialing people for once. I was actually texting. <laughs> um, Draymond Green and Steve Kerr, the friction that was evident uh, in that game. Do you think that's a bigger problem? Uh, Ethan Sherwood Strauss wrote a really interesting article um, for ESPN the magazine uh, just about Draymond being potentially the guy who upsets the order at, at Golden State and, and keeps him from being what they could be because of his attitude and his antics. Do you are you worried that Draymond could become a roadblock for that Warriors team? I'm not. I mean, I mean, two things. Number one, um, I think there's a thin line between being a, a, a roadblock and a stumbling block and being like the straw the straw that stirs the drink in a good way, right? You know, and I think it's it's a fine line to to be the guy who agitates in in a good way and and to be the guy who um, agitates in a way that breaks things apart. But but to me the bigger thing is who are the guys he's gonna you know quote unquote upset Steph Curry Kevin Durant Clay Thompson I mean those are really the only three guys he's got to worry about on that team and <laughs> I, I don't think Zaza, those huh? 
I don't think those guys are going to get too shaken up by, by uh, you know. You saw Draymond. Mama Green tweeting and everything she was getting I, in on I don't too, think now. they care. I don't think they care. I, I don't think if Draymond uses a curse word in the locker room, they're going to get that upset about it. Right. <laughs> they probably heard things and seen worse. And so, you know, to me, that's, that's really the – it's – it's it's part of being a team and yeah. it's part of you know it's when you're living with these guys for eight months at a time you're not best friends with everybody you're not true anti-friends with everybody but or enemies <laughs> anti-friends <laughs> but but either way you you have to figure out a way to get along and i think that's really what matters there in golden state yeah well i mean you've been in close quarters with a crew of people the past couple of years so you know how you know how quickly attitudes can go south and uh emotions can get riled up it's be interesting very curious i mean they they lost their home opener and their first game they didn't lose last year until their 25th game and didn't lose at home until april so it's a different world for the golden state warriors this year hashtag bring back luke walton um you were at a a fantastic Mm -hmm. and you know like when you talk about Interesting subplots for the start of the season. You were at the Thunder Sixers game where Russell Westbrook did Russ, you know, chase a triple double, led his team to a close win. But Joel Embiid is, I was watching his highlights again, <laughs> like bef- before I came down to the studio. I want, I, I so want him to be what we saw in this first game. Yeah. I'm, I'm, cause I feel like we got robbed of Greg Oden and what he might have been. And I didn't want that to happen to another young big man. I want to see Joel Embiid get a chance to live up to his potential. The crowd looked like they were going bananas too, as he was every shot he made, like they were like getting out of their seats and going crazy. Take an extra long look to make sure he's okay. They're chanting MVP. They are so hungry and so desperate for some positives in what has been a such a difficult three-year stretch. And Mike, this is a. Not a good basketball town, a great basketball town. Villanova Wildcats, national champions. Larry Brown's great Sixer team. Here. It was incredible. They, I mean, that, I think, first of all, that crowd in Philly has been through so much the last few years. Yeah. Uh, waiting for this thing to redevelop and, and turn around and trusting the process. Brett Brown, the Sixers coach, said before the game he, he had some numbers and he said, I don't, I don't, I'm going to paraphrase. I don't know exactly. He said something like they've had 50 something players the last three years and 11 of them are still in the NBA. Wow. He said he's had 14 point guards since he started there. And he was like, you know, imagine if the Eagles had had 14 quarterbacks. And I was I almost said, I think they, <laughs> they have. have. Yeah. But uh, but they've been through a lot and they've been waiting so long for Embiid. Um, and, and they, you know, you keep hearing these little things about, oh, you should just see how, you know, he's so strong and so tall and can do so many things. And we see the little videos pop up on Vine, right. RFE Vine, by the way. We see the little videos pop up of Embiid shooting jump shots and, you know, he's got soft things. touch for a big man. I, I was stunned at how soft his, sh- his shooting touch was. Yeah. So, anyway, it all, all of that kind of came together last night and coalesced and, and to Embiid starting. Uh, he only he had a 20 minute time limit i think he ended up playing 22 minutes something mm-hmm. like that but he had 20 points seven boards in that time uh he's got to tone down a little bit of the histrionics i understand he's been gone for so long um and he wanted to get out there so I like bad it, though. i like it 
It was it was. I mean, look, he, he he. I don't think he passed the ball once the whole game. <laughs> I mean, every time he caught you been the out ball, this long, man, you know, pass for what? <laughs> he caught the ball with his back to the basket, turned shot every yeah. time, and so there's a lot of that going on. Um, and if it, I don't know how it works if he and it, because of the injuries and and the time limits, they had to stagger basically him and Okafor the entire game. Right. And and if those two guys are on the court together, I don't know who's getting the ball and who's going to pass it because it's, <laughs> it's it's going in and not coming back out. <laughs> but um, longer term, there's questions to be answered. But short term, it was pretty awesome. He was great. Yeah. Uh, super athletic. Uh, I talked to a bunch of the guys who played in the game and they, everyone was impressed by him. One yeah. of the guys... Uh, a longtime NBA executive said uh, had seen uh, some stuff from Embiid and said I, I've been around a lot of guys. I've seen a lot of things. I've never seen something like this talent in this body um, if he can stay healthy. Yeah. So it, he's huge. It, if he can stay healthy, that's the key. Yeah, he's huge. I mean, I was noticing just size wise, he was facing Stephen Adams up. Yeah, and he's every bit as big, you know, height wise. And I was like, man, I didn't realize. I knew he was supposed to be seven feet, but I didn't think he was that bulky. Until I saw him, um, I think at one point he was yelling, "He can't guard me at Stephen Adams." <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, why, why mean, wait? Do you build a body of work? Just it's, crank it it's up gonna, from day one, baby. If the Thunder had wanted to, they could have just run a double team at him right. and made, it, made him pass the ball, and then we would have seen what had happened. Right. And by the end of the game, uh, Adams got a couple stops on him down the stretch. Um, but it it was fun to watch, and for these Philly fans who've waited for so long, they were just ready to explode, and and they were so loud and boisterous, and and having so much fun with with Embiid. Uh, when he got to the free throw line, you know, instead of everybody, shh, the whole crowd was just screaming as loud as they can. Trust the <laughs> process, and he was nodding and smiling yeah. as he was shooting. It was incredible. Hilarious, hilarious. Uh, he wasn't the only guy to have a a monstrous opening game. Anthony Davis. Yeah, went for fifty in in the Pelicans opener. They lost, of course. That's his second, right? That's his second fifty game. Yeah, I mean he's he's ridiculous. I mean he was doing <laughs> it all. Um, his official line, of course, fifty points on seventeen thirty four shooting, sixteen rebounds, seven steals, five assists, four blocks, three turnovers, forty one minutes. But of course, the same applies to him. He's got to stay healthy. Yeah, got to stay on the floor. Um, you know. Yeah, you know, and look, all I'm going to tell you is right now, he's the first player to tally 40 and 10 in a season over since one Shaquille O'Neal in 1993. Um, yeah, but I, I I don't know. Did Shaq lose that game? I don't remember. <laughs> Here's a question for you. You're building your team. Would you rather have Anthony Davis or Joel Embiid? Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, he's not in the question. It's a two-man question. Oh, Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, so. Embiid's, that was cute and all, your first game. But, I mean, if he comes back and doesn't score 20 points in his next three games combined, that'll be forgotten. Anthony Davis, we know what he's capable of when he's yeah. when he's healthy. But, I mean, DeMar DeRozan went for 40, over, you know, and the Raptors went over Detroit. Miles Turner went yeah. for 30 in the Pacers' overtime win. 30 um, and 16, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and four blocks. Yeah. Um, your boy James Harden, of course, got his buckets, even though they lost to the Lakers. 34 and 17 assists, 8 rebounds, 7 turnovers, you know, James Harden type line. Um, but it's interesting, all these different faces in these new places we talked about all summer. I'm loving watching 
how this is going to play out. I mean, that, to me, that's going to be the most interesting thing between now and, like, Thanksgiving is just to see how comfortable some of these guys are. Like, your boy Jeff Teague wearing 44 in Indiana. Um, it was funny. We were on the set, and Greg Anthony was like, is he wearing 44? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, man, that's not a, that's not a regular number you see on a point guard. And I was like, hey, man, the league is crazy. I mean, it's, it's shook up right now. Every, everything's tipped upside down. So, you know, crazy numbers on on jerseys, crazy numbers on on guys' stat lines. I'm taking it all right now. I'm, we got the NBA back, and I want all of it, every drip drop of it. Um, but enough of us yip-yapping. Uh, let's, let's bring our guests here. Here on the Hang Time Podcast, let's let's get into a, a bit of a different conversation along the lines of what you saw last night and a little bit more about the Oklahoma City Thunder. Friend of the program, veteran Nick Collison. Nick, how are you, my man? I'm doing all right. Got back late, but uh, I'm happy to be here on the podcast this morning. Nice, nice. Un- undefeated. The undefeated Oklahoma City Thunder. That's right. That's right. The unblemished <laughs> Oklahoma City Thunder. Oh, right, right. Um, this, this first... See, you know, this first game started this season with with a completely different DNA, if you will, for as long as Kevin Durant was with you guys. How how weird is it having that piece of the franchise gone, or or is it already sunk in by the time you got to the season? Uh, well, I think it was strange when camp started, um, for sure, and it wasn't just Kevin Serge and. It it felt for the first time it felt like a, a really different thing. We've had a few guys come and go over the years, but mostly we've had continuity with a lot of guys. Um, so it did. It felt different at the start of camp, but you know we've been going at it about a month, so kind of over that and and trying to move on and trying to f- figure out how we're going to play now. And uh, it's good to get a win last night, but we got a ways to go, I think, before we um, are as good as we can be. That's where we're at now. Nick, last night against the Sixers, you guys, it was sort of a close game. And down the stretch, Russ kind of became Russ that we all know and love um, and scored, I think, sort of nine points in the last four minutes of the game and uh, kind of put it away. Um, you know, last year, you guys had games where you struggled to close and uh, it, was, it was sort of a thing throughout the season. It, it's, does it, is it different now? I mean, is it is it a different challenge to close a game with, without KD and Russ out there and Serge and everyone. And now it's kind of just Russ and everyone focuses on him. And he sets other guys up or he scores for himself. I mean, how, how is it different this season with just Russ as the, as the, the focal point a lot of times? Well, I think the difference is um, we're not going to get away with it as much as we used to, you know, we used to get away with not playing well, but being able to pull it out at the end because mm-hmm. we're so talented. Uh, you know, we still have one of those guys that every team would want to have, but um, yeah, I think we we have to rely more on, uh, our, you know, the, the, just our level of play, our level of execution throughout the game, putting us in better positions uh, to be in a better position at the end of the game. And we've been saying that for years, and uh, we have made strides in it. Um, but now I think we really, I mean, it's clear we really have to let, you know, our offense generate, you know, what we're doing execution-wise has to generate shots for us, and it can't just be players generating shots on their own. Uh, it's just not sustainable. So, uh, Russ is um, is incredible, and he played great last night. And uh, I think he managed the game really well. He, he mm-hmm. made good decisions all, all game and ran the team. And that's where I think I've seen uh, the biggest improvement in him over the years. But this year he's been in camp. He's really been just in total control of uh, every single day, practice and preseason games and last night. 
Someone mentioned to me that there was a game earlier when when Stephen, I think in training camp, Stephen had been out with a sprained ankle or something, and the game started, and Russ kind of made made plays for Steven, like the first five possessions of the game or something like that. And, and they were saying like, Russ seems to really have taken a step as far as understanding how to set other guys up and, and understanding the, not only just how to do it, but the importance of that setting those guys up for the rest of the game. Um, you know, the way they're playing. Yeah, absolutely. He, he's uh, got a really good understanding now just of what is going on with all of the guys on the team. Uh, I think as as a young player, like so many young players, he's trying to establish himself in this league and what kind of player he's going to be. But now as he's gotten older, more mature, and and just more in control, um, he, he's thinking about those things. He's trying to – he knows he's got to get guys going. And and uh, he does it with, with the decisions on the court. He does it with play calls. He'll see uh, – he'll see something a lot of times he'll, he'll – try to get Andre going on a back cut for a lob. We have a couple sets where he can sneak back door and he sees all that stuff and, and he's aware of all that stuff now. It's really been fun to see him grow up mature and and uh, he's an incredible leader on the court and it's not just the typical rah-rah stuff. It's the way he um, talks to guys and the way he, he manages the game now. Nick, Victor Oladipo comes in and is is asked to step into a, a very important role on that team. Um, what are your impressions of him so far and how he fits into that dynamic? Yeah, I think he's trying to figure out, you know, how he fits with us. Uh, he's he's huge for us because he's um, one of the few guys we have now that can really get in the lane, create his own shot, and, uh, and create stuff for other guys. So uh, I think he's trying to figure out, you know, how to play off the ball and how to how to find his spots and, and be aggressive. And, um, you know, we want him to be really solid on the defensive end too. Um, he's, he's a guy that gets a lot of steals and, um, and makes plays, but I think we're trying to get him to focus more on the principles and, and understanding that if you, a game plan and if you can give up a, a, a contested jump shot, that's a win as opposed to trying to gamble so much for steals. And so there's just different things. I think he's trying to, he's trying to figure out and he's, he's a, still a really young player and, and uh, he's got a new system, new players. And, but yeah, he's very important for us uh, on both ends of the court. We need him to, to be, be, uh, be aggressive on the offensive end and be able to be a threat on the offensive end and then, you know, be really solid defensively too. Nick, have you ever uh, worn a kilt to a basketball game or have you ever just worn a kilt in general? Uh, <laughs> no, not, not at all. I think you do the answer to that question. But, uh, uh, no. I, had an, I had an idea. I just thought I was after seeing yeah. the way Russ arrived last night. It's, it's pretty spectacular. Do you think, do you think Russ, do you think we've seen the best of Russ in his arrival gear? Or do you think he has another level he can take this well, thing to? It's, I mean, does it just, what does it escalate to? It's just, it's escalated <laughs> since I think the first time you wore a printed shirt with red glasses and that blew everyone's mind. Uh, now you go on every website, Banana Repo, and they show, they sell those printed shirts and it's like, that's nothing now. It's like, it just keeps escalating. Like, where does it end? I don't know. Does it, is it possible to go further? Um, well, I was joking. I actually saw Lang last night. I was telling him, you know, we, we were talking like, we you can just wear anything and people will say oh that's cool like that's a new thing like we were we were just trying to like come up with different <laughs> things that like like could you make Crocs cool like like just I, I, we, where does it go from here I don't know um, we'll see 
I'm hoping we get the. I, I told Nick I was hoping we get an Andre 3000 blonde wig for <laughs> no. one of these games. <laughs> that would be the ultimate. Like, I mean, no right, no feeling like. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's a ceiling. I think people just feel like, oh, of course. Like the, the one game he wore like, a shredded shirt and like his nipple was exposed. Like, <laughs> there's no, there's no ceiling to this. Like, it's just. I don't know where it goes from here. I mean, at the watch. end of the, at the end of the day, as long as he keeps putting up triple doubles, like, what, what are you gonna say? You know, <laughs> like. Right. Exactly. I mean, I mean yeah. people just have embraced it. Yeah. Yeah. He can he, come he's in, in that kind of rare. He's in that rare zone where. You can just do whatever, and people just accept it. Like it's just. I know, think you guys ought to vote. I think you guys ought to vote. Like, um, give him three or four options each game, and have the the rest of you guys vote. Like, I'd love to see him walk in with no shirt, space boots, and some parachute pants. Just something completely obnoxious, <laughs> just to get. I mean, it's just to get it crazy. I feel like it's headed there. Yeah. I mean, he's gonna play probably. He's probably gonna play another ten years. Like, yeah. I don't see him one day just wearing like normal clothes again maybe maybe that'll be that maybe that'll oh, yeah. be crazy if he just shows up in like a sweater and like bad jeans <laughs> yeah yeah that'd be sweet um you've been in the league so long um and, and i think people forget how hard it is to survive in this league for as long as you and a lot of other veterans have what what's the one thing you can tell a young guy about perseverance and, and stay in power in this league now at, at, at your age and at this stage of your career? Uh, well, a lot of times what I try to tell young guys is, um, you know, when you're growing up, high school, college, like you, you want to build towards playing in the NBA, but it always feels like the coaches are making you do things like your high school coach is making you do this. Your college coach is making you run, making you do all these things. You got to lift weights. But it always has been an investment in your career, but I think especially in the NBA, what you need to realize is you're investing in your own career every day. So it's like whatever you do, like today for your career, like you can get a you can get a return from it. You can get, you know, it, whatever that is. It's it's getting into the rotation. It's playing better, more minutes, um, more consistency. Whatever it is, it's going to build. It's it's all you can get paid back by building. You know your career day by day. And that's what I always try to to tell guys. It's about just doing the work every single day and being engaged every day and uh, finding a way to, uh, a way to be effective and, and help the team because that's ultimately what's going to keep you on the court and uh, make teams, make coaches want to play you, make teams want to keep you, make teams want to sign you. Um, it's, that's really what it is. I think is, is finding a way to invest, and every day doing the work and then also figuring out ways to be effective on the court. And uh, it's hard because it's a, a lot of the roles when you get to NBA, a lot of guys are playing different roles than they've ever played before. They're doing different things. Um, maybe they never really defended very well, but you're forced to really, you can't, you can't be like a, you can't get in the game and then not be able to defend because the coach will take you out. Cause there's very few guys that are good enough offensively that can be a, be a negative on defense and stay in the game. You know, a couple, there's a couple guys on each team, but the, everybody else, you have to be really solid. So there's a lot of different ways to affect the game. And that's what I always try to just pass on is just, you know, it's, it's more about the day to day and that's how you build consistency and uh, build a career. I feel like you build a career, you know, day by day. We were, uh, when we were about to call you, Nick, I, I gave them, I gave the, the engineer in there your, your cell phone number. And Saker said, How often has Nick changed his cell phone number? And I was like, I think he's had the same number the, the entire time. Like, <laughs> I think know, so. I think I got it my rookie year in Seattle. Because <laughs> so many guys. That's got to be a record. That's got to be an yeah, NBA yeah. record. 
So many dudes change their number yeah, every month. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I've avoided, I've avoided that one stalker or whoever that <laughs> that guys have always ran into that they've had to, or that media guy that won't leave whatever it is. I've, I've somehow avoided that. Uh, so we I've talked about never felt the need to change it. You've had that same email address for a long time too, right? And it has your uniform number in it. Like, uh, no, how many? Well, I have I have one from high school. Uh, I just heard somebody talking about this on Twitter, like the embarrassing email addresses from high school. Mine's just my high school jersey number, which is corny, but it's not as embarrassing as a lot. That's not the one I use now, but I still have it. So, like, that's what I send all the all the likely junk mail things. Like, you know, if there's a certain thing where you have to put an email down, but you don't want to get you know bombarded junk. Well, that's the one I use for that. So, nice. no, I know I know guys who have changed numbers like four times within the off season like you call their number they're like hey oh, give yeah. me a call on my cell you call it, it's like this number right. is no longer so it's like what oh i'm uh, my teammates like a lot of times <laughs> i'll text a teammate and know that it's probably not gonna go through <laughs> <laughs> so, like there's usually like one person in the organization that has that they have to have updated so i always check yeah. with her uh there's <laughs> a woman that helps with a lot of stuff so i always know she's got the updated numbers but everybody else or all the ones i half the ones i have probably aren't don't work anymore uh, I, there was a story recently. Uh, a friend of ours, Mark Spears from the Undefeated, wrote about white American players in the NBA and the you know the fact uh-huh. that there's a, really a dearth of white American NBA players, guys who have battled their way up the ranks and, and made it to the league. And I, the story itself was interesting, but I was reading the comments of Doug McDermott, and uh-huh. he was talking about you and Rafe LaFrance and Kirk Heinrich, and all these guys from Iowa, white American mm-hmm. players from Iowa who made it to or are in the NBA. And I'm just trying to figure out, that's supposed to be an Indiana thing, the who, you know, the basketball, Hoosiers. Right. What's up with Iowa and all these white American basketball players? There's nothing else to do there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's other ones, too. There's, like, Fred Hoiberg and right. uh, Ryan Bowen. We have some black NBA players too. Harrison Barnes, Ricky Davis is from Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a pretty good basketball state. I, I think it's a similar field to Indiana. Like you said, there's not a lot to do. And uh, we've had some talented guys and um, some decent AAU programs that were just kind of getting started when I was in school, but now they have more teams, so kids are playing more. Um, but yeah, I always had some, some good players, and, uh, you know, we're I think we're proud of it. We're being a smaller state. I don't know what the numbers are per capita, but I mean, we, we got a lot of NBA players compared to most small states, sparsely mm-hmm. po- populated states like that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's been fun to see the guys there. You know, Kyle, Kyle, myself and Kirk, were all in the same class in Iowa mm-hmm. and we're all, well, Kirk isn't signed. I don't know if he's going to play this year, but um, to be able to have the long careers we've had is pretty cool. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's amazing. It's pretty amazing. When you think about it, just the, the sheer numbers. Um, yeah. And Doug and Doug is going to be great, and Harrison they're going to have a long career, so we'll have a few for for a long time. So yeah. hopefully, we can get some more younger guys in. Absolutely, Nick Carlson from the Oklahoma City Thunder joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast. Before we let you go, I'm hoping these questions dwindle as the season goes on. But so much is made, you know, about the relationship you and Kevin and Russell had, and it, it sounds like Kevin and Russ have not communicated a whole lot since Kevin decided to leave. How much? contact have you had if at all with with katie um just as a friend not about anything to do with Mm -hmm. the move or anything um i haven't talked to him much uh he sent me a nice text when he made his decision to leave and just texted me recently for my birthday and uh you know we 
we were we were good friends. Um, all of us were close. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily text him a lot in the summers. We maybe a couple times, but uh, I think we'll all be okay. It's yeah. just uh, it's a tough thing, and uh, you know, it's um, we spent a lot of time together, and and everybody was was disappointed. Um, you know, around here, we you know understand. You know, he's got the right to do that. We we're disappointed. It's just it's something I think evolve over time. But um, yeah. he's gonna. He's going to do great there, and and uh, we're we're going to do well here, and and uh, you know life goes on, I guess, and, and that's kind of the way I look at it. It was tough to get over the summer, but when we got into camp, it's, it's a new thing, and we got good guys here, and and we're on to something else, and and uh, he's he's on, he's moving on to something else too. So um, you know, life goes on, I guess, is really all I can say about it. Yeah. One more, one more thing I wanted to ask you. I've never asked you about him. I don't think one of the guys who's who's kind of emerged over the last six months as a, a building block for the franchise. There is Stephen Adams, and I know you you've you know as a, as a fellow big man have helped mentor him and be around him. But um, it's, he just seems like a quite a character. Is that is that a very simple way? Yeah, of he it? he really is a unique guy. He um, well, first of all, basketball wise, <laughs> like when he got here, I saw right away he was going to be really good and and it's a a combination of first ability i mean he's um he's huge and he's he can really move and he was he's skilled uh, but he's he's tough and right. he works hard and he wanted to be coached so i i felt like from day one like he was going to be a special guy and now i think what we're seeing is just he's a lot more comfortable and he's just playing and he's always been capable of of doing these things with the ball um, mm-hmm. and doing these things defensively, being a help defender, post defender, pick and roll. I mean, he's switching on guards and Golden State's guys in the playoffs. Like he can do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just now, he's just finally building confidence and getting comfortable. He's only 23 years old. So he's only played one year of college basketball and, and uh, yeah. he's a monster. Uh, as a guy, he's, he's awesome, man. He's just, he's really smart. He's in, interested in a lot of things. He can talk about a lot of things. He, doesn't take himself seriously at all. And, um, <laughs> just the way he grows out, the way he was raised. I, I went to New Zealand this summer and met his family and I can see why he is the way mm-hmm. he is. Cause they just, it's just nonstop. Uh, you know, um, you know, those guys just getting on everybody. It's, it's like really funny, smart, quick witted, sharp guys that just give each other, you know, crap all, all day long, every day. And, uh, they're really funny guys. I think it's cool because it, 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 he's just a, uh, he's got a great perspective on his place in the world and realizes he's, he's just like everybody else. And, and it's refreshing to see a guy like that. Um, he's just, uh, everybody likes him and, uh, he's fun and he's, he's just like hyper. It's just energy all the time, nonstop. Um, he's always, <laughs> always going. So he's a good dude. I admired it. He had the, uh, he had the camo <laughs> thunder baseball cap on last night with the Yeezys. Yeah. <laughs> It was like it was. It was yeah, quite he's a look. almost like you know Russell in his own way, where you don't know what he's gonna wear either. But his is like just because it doesn't care at all. The he's the like, the Thunder camouflage hat. There's a a rite of passage he, him and his buddies have to gain one of those because two of his best friends from New Zealand that have been over here a couple of times have them and they wear them all the time. And I won't say what they had to do to get the hat, <laughs> and I don't think Stephen will tell you either. But that he wears that hat with pride. It's a that's a badge of honor. And uh, I had the opportunity to do what they do to get the hat, and I passed. I waved my <laughs> waved my chance. It, it wasn't worth it for me. So. Does it have anything to do with 
Does it have? Does it have anything to do? I'm not going to. I'm not going to give any clues. It's probably never going to come to light. I'm probably already said too much because now someone's got to even about it. But um, yeah, that's it. But that's. Yes. This is going to be yes. coming to yeah, internet maybe. history now. Let's, let's, let's actually move on. I don't want to push this anymore. <laughs> I'd be afraid of pissing off Stephen Adams. Right. So I, I, now we got something. To dig, now we got something to dig up. Anyway. When we get to Oklahoma City. Listen, Nick. Make sure you answer that yeah. ancient self, that flip phone of yours. Um, oh right, we, right. <laughs> when we call you and we're in Oklahoma City, man, make sure you uh, pick up. All right. Will do. All right, Will but do. appreciate it, man. All right. Thanks, Thanks yep. Nick Collison, Thanks, Nick. Oklahoma City Thunder, joining us here all on the right, Hangtime Podcast. Lang, he's uh, he's always an interesting conversation. I know you guys are, are good good friends, and you talk to him often. Um, but it's refreshing to talk to somebody about the NBA who gives you real straight answers without giving up the goods, obviously, on uh, the rite of passage for the hat. But uh, good dude. He uh... – he, one of my favorite things was years ago when I was working for GQ and they were like, we want an NBA player to write a diary for, for the website once a month. And I said, I think Nick Collison would be incredible at it. And you know, I, I think they wanted a, a superstar level player. And I was like, you can get that. And the guy will write, Hey, we took a flight here and we went and stayed in the hotel and went to the game. Or you can get a guy like Nick who's going to like really think about it and work at it. And, 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 and Nick did an awesome job doing that diary so much so that I, one, one month I said, why don't you write a column about what it's like to be a role player and, and understanding that role. You kind of asked him about it, accepting that role, becoming a, 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 having a career right. instead of just being an NBA player. And he wrote a column and I heard later that at least one NBA coach printed out copies of it and left it in every player's locker on his team. <laughs> Cause they wanted them to see like, this is the kind of thought that goes into right. having a, an NBA right. career. Yeah. Not it just is. being I, an NBA I, I player. Tell you about time, how difficult it is to, you know, if you're not a superstar in this era to stay in the league, as long as he has, you know, you, you look at the wire when they were <clears throat> cutting rosters down the other day and guys who were first round picks, you know, were, were getting mm-hmm. cut. I mean, it, people assume this is some easy thing to do just cause you're six, eight or six eleven, you know, but it's, it's a very difficult thing to do to get on that list of the best 400 and what 60 players, 50 players, you know, in the world in basketball. So, yeah. but appreciate Nick Carlson coming on with us as always, always a good, Good conversation and, and going to be an interesting team to watch all year, um, Collison and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Another episode of the Hang Time Podcast comes to an end, Lang. Sorry, you got to get back to some real work. Um, make sure you subscribe on iTunes. <laughs> leave a good review, a glowing, spectacular review about Lang and uh, myself and our guests here on the Hang Time Podcast. And we will see you right here next week on the Hang Time Podcast. Later. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. 
You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and out tip-off. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.